0: Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Blue Jay Beat Post Game Podcast. Um, I'm Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Court Date. Uh, courtdate.io is the new way to play in Omaha. Uh, Matt Hoover, our, our old guy, old analytics guy at White and Blue Review, um, runs this site. He's kind of a middleman for uh, people in the Omaha metro area who are looking for. Um, to get hooked up with the local, local facilities in the area, whether you want to get some open gym runs, whether you want some skill workouts, uh, practices, um, whatever it may be. Um, uh, if you've got trainers, uh, he's got the hookup on, um, local facilities in the area to help you get a COVID friendly socially distanced workout in. Um, so hit up courtdate.io and Matt will get you hooked up on to the, on the podcast tonight. Got my buddy Johnny Otawa from the Omaha World Herald. Um, we're going to break down Creighton's uh, clunker, first clunker of the year. There's 73 to 48 loss and not as close as the final score indicated uh, to Georgetown tonight in the Big East Tournament Championship game in Madison Square Garden. Um, and then we got all your questions, which there are a lot of them, um, understandably so, given the nature of the. Whooping plus the season, um, point in the season itself. Um, but John, I guess, first of all, uh, your I don't know, you're like wide eyed right now, you, Your uh, your, your, uh, you know, surface level reaction to what transpired tonight, like maybe tie it to your expectations going in and how soon that that left your mind, maybe.
1: Uh, let me take a sip of this wine here real quick. Um, <laughs> we sipping tonight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe I should have got some a little bit heavier. Um, But that's not my style. Yeah. I'm more of a gradual consumer of the uh, adult beverages. Anyway, uh, Creighton. Hmm. I mean, I don't know, man. It surprised me. Um. I, I thought that there were aspects of the game where Creighton could have issues because it had issues um, against Georgetown, you know, with the turnovers, um, keeping Georgetown off the glass, keeping the Hoyas out of the paint, and maybe you know, if if Georgetown got hot from the three point line, that could separate the game a little bit. But I did, I did not see an offensive showing like that because the Georgetown just has not, I mean, it's played good D this week in, in New York. There's no question about that, but uh, over the long haul of the season, I just thought that given what the Hoyas profile to be Creighton would maybe have some issues at times, like I said, with the turnovers, but inevitably it'd be okay and find ways to score. And that didn't happen. So, I mean, I don't – there's not really too much you can say in terms of why it happened in terms of like breaking down the X's and O's. I mean, to put it simply, Georgetown looked like it wanted it more, won the battle, the race to most of the 50-50 balls, got the momentum and never let it go. And Creighton didn't have whatever it was, the shot, that it needed, uh, you know, the the clutch or the big three pointer or a couple back-to-back stops, whatever. Um, It's used before previously in games to flip the momentum. It didn't have it and uh, and Georgetown rolled. So I do have, like, an overarching sort of takeaway from it, Matt. Like, I don't know if you want to jump into that or you still want to kind of focus on the nitty-gritty of the game. Well, let me just say –
0: keep that in the front of your mind first of all, all let right. me just say the one thing my takeaway real quick
1: is is it arcing or arching Overarching? arching over arcing i don't I know i think it's i i say arcing uh-huh. like a like a <laughs> like it's an arc right yeah yeah that probably is yeah. right <laughs>
0: okay. yeah um uh so my main takeaway from i guess the part that surprised me what i mean if people have listened to this podcast, especially with me and you, they know that we're big fans of Patrick Ewing. Right. So the one thing that we, I, the one, at least the one thing that I like most about Patrick Ewing is his teams don't really fold. Like they respond. Like no he'll, doubt. they respond to him. They respond to adversity in the game. Like you have to put multiple runs together to put away a Patrick Ewing team. I've just noticed that in their games. Cause you can hit them with a 10, 0 a 12, two, um, a 15, five type of
1: run um and they, it's were, not all, just, it's they not were not just it's not just in games so, yeah it's it's like over the course of a season too because last year they had all those departures mid-year and yet at the end of the year they were still really tough to beat they played so hard mm-hmm. down the stretch and so like creighton had to have like an almost an out-of-body experience to beat them by whatever it was 14 or 15 in omaha like the Jays made everything in that game, but it wasn't like an easy win, you know, mm-hmm. Georgetown. Yeah. That they, they've adopted his mentality and that's yes. obviously a credit to to Pat Ewing. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're, you're a hundred percent. Right.
0: Um, so I knew that it was going to be a back and forth game because, you know, I didn't think Creighton would come out with enough in the tank to put one of those, like, 20 to five runs together that that Georgetown wouldn't be able to totally get over the hump on. So when it started out 13 to six, I go, okay, well, that's Creighton's first punch. They look, you know, pretty good in terms of the shots they were getting. I thought, you know, they got the flip up to the rim with Christian. That's a good start. Marcus got to his kill spots, um, hit that pull up, that mid range pull up. That's a good, that's a good shot for him. Um, And I thought, you know, I thought, you know, DJ got some good drives. Mitch got some good looks. I thought, you know, so Creighton was, Playing all right, I thought. Um, I, th- I certainly thought they were settling into a good rhythm to start the game. Um, then obviously, no Sharif Mitchell <laughs> uh, hurt, but I, again, I think Georgetown was going to come back anyway because that's what they do. But obviously, once Dante Harris saw Jack Canfield on the court, like that was a that he basically saw a wounded animal out there because he went Allen Iverson out there, like he was attacking off the dribble full speed. Uh, making plays for himself and his teammates and got that game tied up real quick. Uh, Creighton had to call a timeout, get Marcus back in the game. Um, he had a three to put him back up for a second. And then it was all Georgetown from there, all Georgetown. The thing that surprised me was Creighton's lack of resolve today. Um, and I don't know how much of that was because of how draining the game was last night, because it was – last night's game was essentially back and forth for 40 minutes and it was like, nobody could get away from the other. That's, that's probably pretty physically and emotionally draining to have to go through that type of game. Um, But I still just thought that it's, it's a little bit troubling though now, because I think um, we've seen it twice here I know they came back against Villanova, but Villanova lost Gillespie too. So, There's there's been two games now of late in the season where that 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 fight hasn't been quite what it was earlier in the year. And I'm wondering how much of how much is being drained out of them at the moment, how much they still have left to to fight through those tough moments. Um, The UConn game was a great example that they can do it, but UConn never really got away from them either. So as much momentum as UConn was able to build, it wasn't anything like what Villanova and Georgetown built built in those two games. So that was the surprising part for me tonight. It wasn't that Georgetown came back. It wasn't that Creighton uh, had moments where they didn't have the game quite under control. It was that once Georgetown got control of the game, Creighton never took it back from them. So I was a little bit surprised by that. I think that they're, you know, they're just too experienced to have a performance like that. So I think that is the one thing I'm going to be like, that's going to probably raise my alarm bells going into March Madness because that's what all these games are going to be like now, essentially. Like you can't just front run. You can't front run your way to a second weekend in March, essentially. Like, you're going to have to battle. So, if Creighton faces a, like, if I'm looking forward and Creighton faces a battle in the first round, can they come out two days later and do the same thing? You know what I mean? So, that was Mm -hmm. that's probably the one takeaway I have from this one that I think is a little bit concerning. I guess we can't call it really big picture anymore because here it is, but concerning going forward. So, what was your... I think there's probably,
1: there might be something to that in terms of, I mean, it's been a long year. It's been a long two weeks for this team uh, from an emotional standpoint. And you can only take so much. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the UConn game trained every ounce of sort of resolve they had. And it would, they were just sort of stumbling. It it
0: required a a ton, too. Like that was a really tough. Like that, that that Look, took a lot yeah, of I mean, both teams, honestly. Like you saw, UConn, right. they were UConn was devastated after that game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like their players were crying all over the place. Like that took a lot out of those people. So, so
1: that that complicates it a little bit, the assessment, Matt, just because. Yep. I mean, they had it last night, so it's like I mean, maybe that was the, they they just didn't have. It was hard to do it two nights in a row. I don't know. Um, my thought was like, maybe this team just has, doesn't seem like it's figured out how to handle the, the role of the front runner or the role of the favorite all year. It seems like the Jays um, have just struggled when the target's been on their back and, and everybody's looking at them saying, well, you should do this because you are Creighton. Um, when, when teams have, or when, when, when they found within them the, um, you know, just the reason to kind of stare at that chip on your shoulder or, or to emphasize it a little bit more when they've seen, um, you know, the skeptics come out, I feel like they've played a lot better. So, so do you think that changes in ne- next week? Because they're not
0: well, going to be facing teams next week that have that same Im- image of Creighton.
1: That's the thing is like that yeah, might they can, be they can
0: put the hunter cat back on essentially. That right?
1: might be the silver lining going into March because they're going to it's not going to be hard to find people who are saying Creighton's going to lose in the first round or yeah. Creighton's not going to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. You know, like it's it's March. Pretty much any team aside from like the one or two seeds. Are going to have you know one or two national pundits out there who are saying like this team's getting upset. So everyone, everyone's going right, la- to have right because last yeah them. because last night
0: when uh, we asked DJ about like had they heard the chatter about UConn being the betting favorite essentially and the darling of the Big East tournament considering how they had ended the season that seemed to be more than it seemed like he was more than just humoring that question. Like they actually were motivated. To prove that narrative wrong, so yeah, yeah if they do find enough of uh, enough of that outside noise saying that Creighton's ripe for um, a short run based on everything they're going through, can they use that to their advantage to be that to play with
1: that edge to find that edge that they need to carry them yeah. over the top? I think that they can. They'll find enough of it. It's just whether whether or not they're going to be able to use it. Sure. Um, but that was one thing that I thought about just because. They have spent the entire year um, within B- Big East circles, you know, as the hunted, and so now they can, like you said, put that hunter cap on, the hunter cap on, and uh, and maybe try to go prove some people wrong. Obviously, we'll see where they land is from a seeding standpoint, but I do think they're going to have, um, you know, plenty of like, it's not going to be hard to find the uh, the skeptics. No, for sure. But there will also be a path for them
0: to get, I mean, considering where we think they might be, I don't even know, honestly, like how much of the the net is going to be weighed in terms of how we've used it before in the RPI, like where they fall on the seed line. I'm preparing for a lot of surprises tomorrow, honestly, just because mm-hmm. of how weird the year has been. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um I don't really know if we can talk about the game anymore. (laughs) We like, that's pretty much it. Yeah. It was like, I guess
1: I'm trying to think what more was there to break down to to unpack. I mean, I thought that I thought Creighton actually got a lot of good looks like, yeah, I mean the game, the game was decided in the final six minutes of the first half, right? It was 10 possessions, which is insane by the way, (laughs) That, That 10 possessions really determined it, but it, it did come down to those 10 possessions and, Um, Georgetown was eight for 11 from the floor during that stretch. It got all four of its offensive rebound opportunities, Creighton zero defensive rebounds during that stretch, Georgetown four offensive boards. Um, and, uh, I think the only empty possessions Georgetown had were a couple turnovers. So, um, that, uh, that was one end. And the other end, I don't know, I actually thought Creighton had a couple good looks. Like I remember Mitch Ballock, well, first off, I, Chris, Christian Bishop got inside. You know, he had the post-up layup that he missed, and then he missed, missed a putback. A couple possessions later, Mitch Ballock was wide open from three, the ball rattled in and out. Um, he had Ryan Kaufbrenner on the line. He missed two. Denzel Mahoney missed a wide-open kick-out three-pointer at the end of the shot clock. Um, there was that one possession. Like, the last possession of the half was a little wild. There were a couple just really errant shots. But the possession before that, Creighton had – um, a couple of looks at the rim, and Marcus Zagorowski pulled up for one of his patented three pointers and missed it. I mean, they had some good looks in there, but um, obviously they missed them all, Matt. They did. <laughs> they, they missed them all. I, I wrote it in my story. Let me see. Uh, I recapped the, the six minute stretch for Creighton offensively, um, where obviously it got outscored 18 to nothing. Uh, it was the Jays missed five layups, two of those were blocked, they missed two mid range jumpers, they missed four three pointers, and they missed two free throws. And uh, it's pretty much all... a whole a holistic collapse right there, almost. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we're going to get the question of, of why does Creighton play its worst game of the season in March. Um, well, it's yes, yeah, and I, I don't. If you think no. if you think if
0: you think it's coming now if they do it in a week it's going to come yeah, hot know. and heavy like they're right. I mean I, my, I can my, remember I can remember what, what we dealt what we were answering when they lost to K-State so yeah it's right. going it's gonna my my for sure. theory
1: previously was always that that Creighton's best players just didn't have good games they had some of their worst games true on the true. biggest stage but but tonight Marcus actually played really well Marcus was the only oh guy <laughs> <laughs> Marcus was
0: seven for eight tonight and the rest of the team was like under 20%. Like, that's crazy to me. Um, you know, the, the, honestly, the, the, the contrast between that, that big uh, tweener matchup that, you know, Wahab, Pickett, Blair um, compared to Bishop Jefferson and Mahoney feels like the game right there. Like if when you, when you look at, when you break down those uh, those performances of that tr- of the, of those uh, two trios, like it feels like that's where that's where the game plays out exactly right you know
1: what i mean um i mean denzel mahoney had a ton of wide open looks and if 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 teams are going to leave him wide open like he has to hit him
0: yeah we're gonna get to uh, there's a lot of questions about denzel so i know we're gonna get to him um and i just don't want to beat a dead horse uh sure before the questions come in um you know another thing that was like just comparatively like You'd would, you would agree that UConn's probably the toughest team in the league, maybe toughest paired with the most disciplined in terms of their ability to create turnovers, make it tough for you offensively, and to uh, just own the glass, right? Like, would you agree with that? No doubt.
1: Okay, I'm trying to think. I, to, I can't think of anybody else that makes it harder on you to just survive. Yeah. In the, in the league.
0: yeah, UConn. Because last night Creighton had uh, Creighton missed thirty nine shots. Uh, they rebounded seventeen of them, and they only had four live ball turnovers the whole night against UConn. Mm-hmm. Tonight, they, <laughs> tonight they missed. Tonight they missed forty two shots on fewer attempts. Um, only rebounded ten of those misses, and they had seven live ball turnovers. So they so they played a team that. Is not as potent in those areas. Yet they played, they performed far worse, and that's just that goes to the that goes to my to my concern about how much they had left in the tank from a, from a ability to fight because that's all toughness plays right there, like ball security, um, creating second chances out for yourselves, keeping possessions alive, all yeah. that stuff is all that stuff is effort and tangibles. Like you need all of that. Um, to get yourself over the top at this time of the year. Creighton had it last night when they weren't good offensively and it was tough to come by. It was tough to get runs together. It was tough to score. Um, It was tough to get into a rhythm. But they had all those plays in their back pocket. They made them all. Um, They gave themselves a chance to win that game. Tonight they didn't have any of that. It's like I don't know if they expected to be better offensively. If there was like a deep breath, we're not playing UConn anymore. It's not going to be as hard to – the score or whatever it was, but
1: I feel like that was some of it, man. I just, yeah, it just, yeah. Didn't it feel like it? I I mean, it's hard to know because we don't have as many conversations with the guys and we're not, you know, it's pandemic. We're doing everything over zoom, but like, it just feels like with this team, they, they've struggled to, they've underestimated their opponents, man. Mm -hmm. That's like, like that's stuff that the bottom line sort of statement, like they have under, and even though Georgetown's beat them before, like, it still felt like in that game and in other games this year when you know they've lost to the lower tier teams in the conference um they've just not they haven't brought that same level they haven't brought that same edge that they've had um against some of the teams that are better in the league and so to me that just seems like isn't that an easy sort of takeaway like they just underestimated them yeah i mean the the, the, the reason it's not easy is because it's not
0: tangible so we like to mm. we love you know when we talk we about need it, numbers we need yeah, numbers ex- exactly i mean it's hard and to back need, up right? You know what i mean you can yeah. only use it anecdotally so um that's the tough part about it. that's why it's not easy but but it feels like that's we're centering around the point you know what i mean yeah. like that as good as georgetown could possibly play they're not that much better than Creighton. Like that's 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 just nonsense, yeah. right? So, something tonight. As much as tonight was about Georgetown's, uh, like the culmination of a four day four uh, four day run for them, there was also a lot about what Creighton didn't bring to the table yeah. in terms of how much they were willing to put on the line to win that game. Like it goes back to your first, the first thing out of your mouth. Georgetown wanted this one way more. It shows like it's not it's not a damning um, it's not a damning admission on Creighton. It's just like Georgetown knew that their season's over today if they don't if they don't Mm -hmm. put it all out on the line. There's no reason for them not to play as hard as they possibly can because there is no tomorrow for them. And you can't simulate that Creighton's got next week. They had that in their back pocket the whole time. They've been looking forward to it for over a year. Like that when that's still there, you just don't have the same edge as a team that's like, I'm fighting for every last bit here. So that's that's what happened. Well, I, and I Patrick Ewing that. is the perfect coach to bring that out of somebody yeah. because he he talked about it openly all week. Was like, listen, everyone wants to keep uh putting us down and talking like okay, Seton Hall's gonna smash us. Cool. Bet, let's let's play. Uh, yeah. you know, Creighton's a nine point favorite. Bet, let's play. Um, you thought we were going to finish below DePaul, for God's sake. Like, I, I, I'm surprised Patrick didn't throw hands when that came out. Like, how dare you put them? But bo- DePaul is like Villanova in like Helter Skelter mode, right? Like, DePaul should be the perennial seller team until they prove otherwise. Same as Villanova should be the perennial top team until they prove otherwise. Like, for Georgetown to come into the year uh, being picked to finish worse than DePaul, like Patrick Ewing probably wanted to suit up after he saw that. Like, and they he played. The they played fight. like that.
1: He yeah. wanted to fight every Big East coach. Yeah, he was like how dare you? Right. They played uh, like
0: that this year. They played like that as soon as they got out of that pause at the end of January. The only teams they lost to were Villanova, Creighton, UConn. Yep. That's it. They they played with an edge. They're like, okay, it's it's game time.
1: Yeah. Now, now, here's the thing, though, man. Even though, yeah, Georgetown did have nothing to lose. That that is one of the things that comes with being the favorite. Yes, is you have yes. to be able to match that, yeah. even though you can't simulate it. Well, it's you can Yeah, it
0: supports your point you, that Creighton hasn't learned how to do that.
1: Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Before we get off the game, though, I do want to just bring up the fact that, like, how insane was Javon Baer, Blair on back-to-back possessions, banking that <laughs> three in from deep, and yeah. then the next time down, hitting some like wild. Like runner, where he wasn't even looking at the hoop. Yeah, he's just crazy <laughs> I, like that, right? And I and I think the next possession after that was the one where uh, uh, Beale got the tip in just before the shot clock buzzer. Mm-hmm. At that point, I think Creighton fans probably were like, I mean, it was a ten point game, but it felt like Creighton was going to have to do something magical to win because if <laughs> it, it, it felt like all yeah. the all the 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 juju was on. That's what, yeah, agreed. Sideline. You know, yeah. like, uh, that I was fo- I'm was, following,
0: I'm following your timeline. I'm following, I, you know, I follow, a, like, a handful of fans that usually are, like, live tweeters during games um, just to get the vibe and everything. And, like, I think during that stretch where you're talking about right there, that was when it was, like, oh, shit mode. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Up until that point, it was just kind of, like, two, like, like Rams button heads with each other. Like, Creighton made a run, Georgetown made a run, and now it's just, like, in a stalemate. Right. And and one team's like waiting to pull ahead, essentially, or like make the next make the next move. But the way that went down, it was it felt like this is not Creighton's day. Like those (laughs) those things don't happen on your day. Like you don't win.
1: Right. And that's not to make any excuses for Creighton, because what happened was unacceptable. But it still like it popped up in my mind Mm -hmm. when it happened in the moment. I was like, Crane's gonna have to play well to win this thing. Yes, like, much, yeah, right. Craig's gonna have to play well. And uh it did not play well. Nope. Did not. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: probably every way we can uh tear that game apart. Let's uh move on yeah. to questions. Cause like I said, there's a lot of questions here, and I don't I as fun as that two hours was that last time, i let's I want to try to keep it under that. Um where do we begin where do we begin <clears throat> let's see okay so I'm getting a lot of uh <laughs> I'm getting a lot of baby blue hate right now and I'm just gonna tell you all to kiss my ass this is not how we're doing this mm. you're not blaming those uniforms on this tonight no what it, no let me I'm sure Rob has it in his notes the record. Well, I know that they've gotten their butts kicked by Seton, by St. John's when they wore them. Um, but the Providence game, they almost lost at home last year when Marcus hit the game winner after he had the head yeah. issue before. So they wore them then. They wore them for the first time they wore them, they won on the road at Georgetown when in 2018, 2019.
1: Yeah, that was like um, Tyson Alexander. Uh, yeah big shot with like 90 seconds left or 40 seconds left.
0: So I think they only wore them twice that year. They beat Georgetown, got cooked by St. John's at home in the baby blues. Last year they wore them at home for Providence. When do they wear them again? Maybe they didn't.
1: I don't remember. Yeah. All I know is they're the home team, so whatever. They can do whatever at home, but the road blues are my favorite.
0: The road road royals?
1: Yeah, I know you can't wear those. You can't wear them tonight, but those – and they won't wear them – well, maybe the second round of the NCAA tournament. We'll see where they're seated. Yeah. um, I don't know, Matt. There's something weird with this baby boy. Don't don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare do that. Like, those are slick.
0: They need to wear those every day. That's the problem (laughs) with these uniforms is Creighton busts out these awesome uniforms, and then they get, like, beat senseless in them, and then everybody just out on them. They don't even give them a chance to, like, work them through. Like, I've watched Creighton uh, uh, play Georgetown in the home whites, and they scored 40 points in that game. They missed, like, 22 huh. straight shots or something. Like in there, So we didn't ban the home whites in that game, did we?
1: There was something um, – the Grays, right? The Grays well, – didn't the Grays have a, a negative history – well, they wore they
0: they wore uh, in 2014. They had like they got like a new uniform at the end of the season. So they wore new whites for the game against Louisiana, and then they wore new grays for the Baylor game. And they never wore yeah. those grays ever
1: again. They like <laughs> right.
0: they never. I haven't not. I haven't even seen them like lying around in like the. The championship yeah. center, like they have not worn them since.
1: I, I, I don't think they're going to wear the baby blues again this year, though. God dang it!
0: Seriously, what's wrong with you people in the uniforms? You got to look good to, to feel good to play good. That's the rule.
1: Well, Matt, <laughs> they looked good tonight. We—that's undeniable. They it, did, it, but it, Georgetown looked good too.
0: Georgetown wore the wore the black Iversons. Those were sick. Yeah.
1: You're not going to be Georgetown in a uniform game. Who has no. the best uniforms in the league? Because I was going back and forth. Because I, mean, I actually think DePaul is. DePaul's which, got the which de, nice
0: which, one. Which, which DePaul one, though? Like I like
1: all of them. Do you like all of them? Yeah. And it might just be because they, every now and then they can splash in a little red, and no other Biggies team can splash anything other than blue <laughs> and black and silver. Yeah. Um, I guess Sandy I mean, Johnson can, but yeah like I, you can I like you like can
0: has you can go you can go red if they wanted to but they like i like the pause
1: i like the paul's sort of rotation
0: okay yeah the paul's yeah i don't i think it's the way it's like i think it's what they do in them that bothers <laughs> me about it um <laughs> it's hard to just watch the paul in general and and uh, yeah but their their color scheme is sick for sure um Man, I lo- I've loved those Georgetown Black Iversons since they busted them out. For- they they first wore them know. for the Syracuse game this year, and I'm like, ooh, those are nasty. Like, mm. they need to play in those all the time. So I've loved, I love that they wore them for every game in the Big East tournament essentially this year. Like, yes, like absolutely. Um, I don't know who else. I love, I like Creighton's baby blues. Villanova, Villanova is like black with the. Uh, baby blue outline, powder blue outline is okay. You know that's as yeah, it's a, a good look.
1: Doesn't Villanova have like an old school like cream?
0: Yeah, kind of like that one. Yeah, that one's not bad. It looks a little like they're they're Michigan though. So sometimes I get thrown off. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Xavier's like Xavier's blue chip uniforms, like they're oh the the UCLA knockoffs. Yeah, I didn't like those. You don't like those? Did oh, you okay. like those? Yeah, I, I liked them. I just want to know. I'm watching the team out there. Like I don't. I don't feel that's like I was true. watching. It's computing. It is like that's it not. It like,
1: it's like who's Creighton playing today? Like what's that? Yeah. I think. I think. I don't know what it is, but like Butler's just. it's just. It, it just kind of feels like it had. Maybe it's just kind of a sentimental thing. Um, I'm an Indiana boy, but mm. like. Just, they're traditionals. They're traditional sort of look. The
0: Indiana the Indiana teams do stay pretty traditional, don't they? Like, yeah, Purdue hasn't changed their uniforms. Indiana hasn't changed their uniforms. Butler hasn't really changed theirs. Like, they they stick to what what got them here, I guess, essentially.
1: Right. right. Yeah. So you know, it's nothing special, but it's just there's something about that that look that I like.
0: I, and honestly, that's funny that the you white, bring it up because lettering on
1: black. Yeah, those thoughts are
0: coming in my head now. I've watched like Purdue. I'm <clears throat> going back to like the Glenn Robinson days. Uh, and I've always been like, man, you guys have like a sick color scheme. If you just would play around with that for a little bit, you could have some badass looking unis, but they don't ever change it. They just like stick to what it is. Well, th-
1: I will say that the, the, the gold they have, the old gold, it gets, it can get a little bit dicey. You got to be careful really, with what you do with that. A little Jacksonville Jaguarsy gold. kind of a little bit. Yeah, maybe I mean it, it can just like you told the line a little bit between it looking slick and, and looking a little bit um barfy. Gross. Barfy. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah I don't know who had the best uniform.
0: Yeah I didn't we didn't really get a question. I just got a lot of I got a lot of complaints about complaints about the baby blues so I'm just gonna tell everybody to knock it off. Mm-hmm. I'm warning you. I'm blocking all you people. If you don't knock it off, I'm telling you right now, you're, you're not gonna. You're not gonna trash. These. I was super excited. I was like excited for this game. Like this will be a fun game. Like Georgetown's playing really well. Like both teams seem to want it pretty bad. And then the and then I, then I saw they were going baby blue. Like John McHugh texted me like, "Hey," I was like, "Hey," and then he didn't say anything for like an hour. And then they released the uniforms like, "Oh, was, like thank you." He's like, "I thought you would like that." I was like, "Yeah." Um and then when I knew and then when I saw Georgetown was going sticking with the black iversons, I'm like, ooh, this game's gonna look so good. So good. Like whatever happens is gonna look so good. I even said that to people. I was like, I don't even care what happens in this game, like this, this is gonna look good out there. And then actually it looked bad. <laughs> I hate those words. <laughs> Um, yeah, so first question from Andy Cutler. This is actually a friend of mine. He's like, why do they lose? So I'm just gonna say Georgetown scored more points. He's just trolling for kicks. Okay, I think I found our starting point here. Um, so first question is why doesn't Creighton uh let uh Zegarowski ball hog? Like, why don't they just let him go Marcus Howard, Miles Powell?
1: Hmm. Well, if teams a, if if teams want him to do that or if, if they dare him to do that he will yeah I
0: just think he does, he just has to his uh his awareness of the game is too good for him to just try to be a scorer like he'll he you know when hes when he tries to be a scorer because he sees the openings for him to score um but that you know he'll always try to be a playmaker. And that Mm -hmm. comes in the forms of scoring and facilitating. So it's just, you know, he just has a natural feel for the game that he always sees that he can see what needs to happen, like the right play essentially. So you're never really going to get that, that uh, um, just that, you know, ball hog mentality, unless that's what the defense is like forcing him to do. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, in the first half, Christian Bishops, one for five. Damian Jefferson's one for six. Mitch Ballock's two for six. Denzel Mahoney's 0 for six. Yeah. Like, that's not going to happen ever again. Right. So, I mean, it. He like, like you said, he's a right play guy. And he knows that if he gets the ball moving and gets his teammates involved, there might be a couple guys who have an off night or an off half. But somebody else is going to pick up the slack more times than not. And so... That's just, I mean, it's not going to happen unless, and again, unless you like at the end of games, like at the end of the UConn game, I don't think Creighton ran any plays. It was just give the ball to Marcus, Mm -hmm. and for the final what like three or four possessions, like he hit that jumper. Um, he got stripped on a drive, and went down right to the lane and had that layup rim out. I mean, those were the final three possessions that the Jays had. And that, that was all just like put the ball in his hands and let him go to work and let him make the play. And so I think, I mean, he's at his best when he does that. So I don't know. I, it's just, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: it's just, it's he, not, he's not, they're not built that way and he doesn't operate that way. So no, it has no. to be, it has to be what he sees out there. It's not just like a, The rest of the guys on the floor aren't going to like take aren't going to accept like Mac in the huddle being like Marcus is going to take over these next five minutes guys just (laughs) space the floor. All right. Um, uh, Easton uh, Easton DeBolt wants to know does McDermott consider putting Mahoney on the bench. Um, He just doesn't have it right now. So I there's some a lot of variations of this question and I and one comparison I guess is that Patrick Ewing um brought Javon Blair off the bench uh towards the end of the season to kind of you know reignite him a little bit so there's um there's some theories going around that it might be good for Denzel to come off the bench as opposed like considering he was so good in that role last year I don't know I can't say it would hurt because I don't know if you've seen. I mean, so obviously today today he was one for 13 from the floor, one for 10 from three. Yep. Um, and in the last nine games prior to today, he's shooting 24% from the floor. 15% from 3 or sorry 31% from 3 um averaging 7.8 points on 9.1 shots in the last 9 games so basically ever since the ever since the home lost to Georgetown basically so <clears throat> it's a it's a he's not just struggling that's 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 he's like that's almost net negative territory it is net negative territory offensively so does he need a does he need a role shift? And honestly, would that do any good at this point in the year? If you bring Denzel Mahoney off the bench, can he, can he, can that jumpstart him or will he just kind of be frustrated in that first game and that will cost you. So it's All tough.
1: Right. He's been struggling have we, though. Ha- have we, have we seen this before? Like I'm trying to remember a guy who's proven like Denzel is. I mean, he shot 38% from three in biggies play last year. Yeah. Um, to, to have a stretch like this for from a veteran yeah, just, just the, in terms um, of shooting just shooting the ball like I don't it, I don't recall try, I'm trying to think i I thought James
0: Milliken came off the bench um in I can't remember what year it was either 14 15 or 15 16 after he had struggled a little bit, but I don't remember if that was dis- disciplinary, disciplinary uh, or if it was just basketball related. Let me try to look back real quick. If you just want to talk out, if you just want to spit your thoughts well, out. Well, I, I think that long.
1: if you're talking about Denzel Mahoney, you, you can't talk about him without bringing up what he does on the other end of the floor. Um so while he is clearly in a funk shooting the ball and as you said Matt when you laid out the numbers like it might be a net negative offensively it's clearly a net positive defensively because of what he can do on the ball yeah that's yeah for sure yeah like his length um the way that he can uh, i mean he, he's been assigned to the opposing team's best perimeter scorer every game this year, and he's had some really good performances on that end, and uh, and I th- I feel like he's rebounding the ball better now too. Like he's going, he's actually going and hunting it. He didn't have any rebounds today against Georgetown, but like the UConn game, mm-hmm. I think he grabbed like seven or eight boards, and like they were in traffic, tough boards. Yep, a lot of them were. Um, he makes hustle plays, tip balls, diving after loose balls. Um, it's just, so if you're going to evaluate his game, you've got to include what he does aside from scoring. Mm -hmm. And I think the coaching staff, especially Greg McDermott, the way that he sort of functions, he's like, if Denzel Mahoney's bringing the other stuff, we'll live with him missing open shots because we know that he has the track record and he has the ability to at some point bring those averages up mm-hmm. like water will find its level that's sort of the approach that I would imagine the coaches are going to have with it because he's still doing everything else like right, right. He's, he's not hanging his head and um, you know lowering his effort level on defense he's still making a positive impact there it's just the shots are not going in um, And honestly, Matt, like, is he taking bad shots? Because I don't think he is. I mean, not everyone
0: loves the shots he takes all the time, but I think they're good shots for him because he's really good at just getting that quick three up. Even if the guy's right there, if he doesn't have a hand up, it's like it's kind of a hand down, man down rule. I think Denzel has been taking really good shots. I do. I know – He's gotten. A I know that. I know. I know inside. that when he. I know that when he misses them, people are like, "Why you shoot?" That doesn't. It, in hindsight, it looks like a rushed shot, but that's just result oriented, right? Because if he hits that thing, no one's telling him he shot too quick, right? No, when he rattled in that three from the right wing against Butler, no one thought he shouldn't have shot because the defender was on him, right? Like it went in.
1: So yeah. I remember he had a three. Um, this is second early second half against UConn, and you could hear on the broadcast. It was like a kick out. DJ drove, kicked it out to Denzel. Or maybe no, DJ didn't drive. I think he just like skipped past it. Mm -hmm. And I could hear McDermott on the broadcast say, that's a good shot. Knock it down, Denzel, or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know, like they still have confidence in him. And so, like, I don't think the question of whether or not, like, how do you kind of get him jump started uh, and maybe coming off the bench helps. I don't know if it would or not. I think that's a it's obviously a conversation that the coaching staff would have to have with him, you know, sort of one-on-one setting, what do you need? What can we do for you to get you going type thing? Mm-hmm. Um, do they need to call more plays for him? Do they need, I mean, do they need to figure out a way to, you know, maybe get him to the free throw line um, early in a game or something like that? Um, but I mean, it's tough because like, they, they need him on the court because of mm-hmm. what he brings in the other areas mm-hmm. and because of his ability, his what he's shown before, his ability to stretch the floor. Like, you can't really limit his minutes, I don't think. Because, yeah. you know, who, who are you putting in aside from him? You know, like, who's taking yeah. those minutes? Well,
0: and... I mean, the one thing that came to mind tonight for me, I don't know if you thought that thought about this at all, but, um, and honestly that it was the downside of not having a, you know, an ability to talk to these guys more outside of the zoom this weekend. So I hope that we at least get an availability so we can dive into this stuff a little bit more, but, uh, Denzel's obviously been struggling and I thought Alex O'Connell had a really good weekend. So I'm, I don't know if that's an easy swap to make there because all the things that you brought up with Denzel, Alex can do from an athleticism standpoint, certainly a good rebounder. Um,
1: he had eight or night against UConn, right? In 10 minutes, essentially. He's um, not. But the one thing about, and no, I'm not saying Denzel's perfect here in terms of, like, uh, not having any mental lapses, but you can still tell there were moments when Alex O'Connell still was, like, adjusting to Creighton's scheme yeah, and knowing when right. to take chances and when not to. There was a key, like, key moment. I mean, they lost by 30 or whatever it was, 25, but, like – um Javon Blair caught one in transition and buried a three. And Alex O'Connell like went for the steal, missed it. Ah, yeah. You remember that play? Right in front of Matt. I like, like, remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. And I think Matt kind of threw his hands up like. Yeah. Cause he doesn't like head. when you gamble if you don't get it. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that, that's actually just carry over from what was ingrained in Alex previously like he's still sort of making that transition of what you know taking away the instincts that he used to have and replacing it with the fundamental sort of mm-hmm. uh, principles that creighton wants to wants its guys to, to operate with so there's part of that but no you're right though alex has played better he, yeah he was hunting he was hunting at the end of that game was, i mean it was a blowout but he yeah, was like
0: it was time to, it was time to eat I, for him yeah i was like <laughs> let see if i can <laughs> find a rhythm. <rip> to- <laughs> Yeah. I just, uh, I thought, I thought all
1: weekend he played really well. So um, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe that's the answer right there in terms of just, yeah. you know, you, you drop down the Mahoney minutes a little bit and, and that may
0: not be right. Cause like that's, the, that's because- the other thing too. Cause remember when when Ryan was playing really well, Christian and Ryan were like splitting the 40 essentially. Right. Even though Christian mm-hmm. was playing at a really high level, they weren't pushing him to the 30 to 35 mark. So that's what, that's kind of what I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm not trying to, you know, unleash a, a, a firestorm more speculation. I'm just wondering if if the way he's struggling right now, I can't. I mean, he hit the three in the second half, and he threw his hands up in the air. Like Denzel's not stupid; he's frustrated right now. Like he knows yeah. he's struggling. So I'm just wondering if if more time, just kind of like you know, analyzing the game, helps him at all. So I don't, I don't know. Well, but, and but, just but, like, but I just, and, just and, and
1: and the ability to just like take a breather and like yeah um, yeah recharge right you know? because right it's now like, the sample size is extremely large for his struggle
0: to so it's I mean it's basically half a year if you look at the way the season's gone out that's not going to help it, like shooting himself out of that doesn't is not going to help anymore because he's shot enough now that the confidence is going completely in the wrong direction yeah like you know what I mean like he's questioning himself out there you can see it. Mm-hmm. So with that, there needs to be some kind of at least um, a lot of time addressing it, talking through it, uh, a lot of reps in practice. We also don't know if he's banged up at all. That's the other part of the element. I'm not he, sure. He about. had something
1: with his shoulder, didn't he? Yep. Yep. Yeah,
0: right. But we don't know how serious that is. Like right. it, w- what shoulder is it? Like all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of stuff right now, but I know that you can see it on his face that he knows he's struggling and he's frustrated and he needs some help. So that's kind of where the the depth comes in because they do have some depth there. Like you have to kind of, they have to find a way to help him succeed. Um, and I don't know if right now just sticking him out there and letting him take all those same shots is the way to help him succeed because he's, he's losing confidence with every game. So, um, or at least that's the way it looks. Um, Let's see. I lost my place. Sorry.
1: Okay. Yeah, I just – i the one thing I had—I was saying is, like, people are just killing Denzel, like I see it in my mentions. Yep. And I'm like, Same. they need this dude, you yeah. know? Right. So, like, right. the answer is not just sit him on the bench and don't play him anymore or mm-hmm. cut his minutes down to, like, 15 a game. That can't be it because Creighton's not going to get where he wants to get without him. Exactly. The, the answer is, Figure how out. do we help him? How do we help him get exactly? Get it going? Yeah. Because, they, have help,
0: they have to help him become confident again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They can't just, like he He's, loss for he's too important to what they do um to to not have him part especially, of it. Especially
0: especially if you don't know if you have Sharif, like you don't know how long Sharif. Yeah. If you don't know how long Sharif's out, you need to, like you're you're not you're playing with fire right now. Because yeah. unless you're unless your starters are on their A game every night, you're you're going home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um <laughs> Okay, here's where we here's where we get into it. Why do the Jays play their worst games in March? <laughs> this game gave me eerie Baylor, Rhode Island, K State vibes. Can they turn it around next week and make the second weekend? I mean, the short answer to the second question is, of course. Uh, yeah. Like, I there's just too many stories of teams that have come into the come into the NCAA tournament on a low on a low note and made runs. Like, so mm-hmm. yeah, they they everything's in front of them. That's why I I even said it like today was a clunker. Sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail, but they have a chance to bounce back from this. Unlike Baylor, Kansas State, Rhode Island, that was the clunker to end the to end the year. This one, they got a chance to kind of evaluate what they want to evaluate from it. I certainly wouldn't watch all 40 minutes again, but uh, <laughs> they have a chance to evaluate what they feel like were important areas that they can get better on in the short term. Um. And bounce back from it. So yeah, like I, as far as why do they play their worst games in March, I don't know. Because every time we pair this question with one game, it's almost like we have to forget UConn and Butler. Like, and I don't. I mean, two Butler games, right? Two Butler games and UConn. I don't know if we're. I mean, why would we forget those? Like, that's three. And, and, and that's Seton three Hall really last good performances. Year. That's yeah, Seton Hall last year. Three really good performances paired with one bad one. So I don't know if that's. I don't know if that group is at that point yet.
1: It is weird. Call me, though, call right? me, in, a,
0: call me in a week and we'll maybe have a different answer to that question. It's so.
1: it's it's weird though. It's yes. weird that like in so many seasons, if you're like what what was Crane's worst performance this year? It's like uh March started March. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. March thirteenth. <13th>. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Um and, and again, I I said it earlier, like I do I always thought that it was kind of paired you know, like it was correlated with the fact that like Doug McDermott didn't play well against Baylor and Marcus Foster played very bad against K-State and against Rhode Island. Like Justin Patton wasn't, he didn't have a great game and neither did Marcus or uh, Kyrie might've had a decent game. I can't remember, but. Ronnie Harrell had a decent game. That's what I don't Ronnie remember. Ronnie Harrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, today didn't really fit. I mean, you could, you could argue that like Creighton's, never really been able to just ride marcus the entire we kind of based on what we talked about before like he is um he can can be the ignition to creighton's offense but he doesn't necessarily he's not he's not all of the fuel for it you know Mm -hmm. like they Mm -hmm. need more pieces to help this to get this thing going and so since nobody else had it um it was hard for for the jays uh to get going and they, and they lack that spark. They never had that spark. So, so here's but what, I, I don't know. I, I don't like to, uh, it's, I know I'm with you. hard to, so. uh, to make some, to draw some conclusions based on that. But I do think, I, I don't know. I do think there is something about the pressure of the moment that for whatever reason, this team, this program, hasn't really been able to, um, to embrace and then perform at its best. There's something to that. And mm-hmm. maybe this group, because it, the you know, this group, the way it's, the way it's shaped right now, um, maybe they needed this to, uh, because they hadn't experienced, you know, a big stage moment like this. Um, maybe they, they need the, the, the kick in the rear end, you know, the total sort of face plant to realize, all right, this is what pressure feels like. Yeah. And this is how, you know, not to handle it, I guess. And
0: honestly that's the other part about this This team is like as much as this group has been through, they have not been through March yet together.
1: So yeah. that's
0: the, that's and the it's part. different. Yeah. That was
1: a, that was a question that I wanted to ask these guys in a, in a more relaxed. I hope we setting. get a chance in this week. Right. To do it. Yeah. Because I, 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 I was, with you. I was curious if if like Friday felt different. Like compare Friday, UConn, you're down five with five minutes to go in a do or die game. Like how does that moment feel versus, you know, down three at Xavier or um, down two against Providence at home or down whatever it was, four at UConn in December. Like, there's no way you could tell me that Friday felt anywhere close to any of those experiences in the residency. It's different in March. And Mm so, and even the NCAA tournament's going to feel a little bit different than the big East, but at least a lot of coaches talk about the conference tournaments as a way to sort of simulate um, a lot of the sort of extracurriculars, the intangibles that are associated with March madness. You can kind of get a feel for it, um, an early glimpse of what it'll be like. And so, I think about Friday and then obviously Saturday, today, um, when they got punched in the mouth, they weren't able to respond. So, yeah, I think that there's something to – there's obviously I, I, something, something to the fact that they hadn't really seen that or been in that moment before. Yeah. The one thing that I think about this team is that
0: the reason that I still feel like it's got a good run in March in it um, is that it just purely comparing to past uh teams is like they have more weapons that can take over games. Like that's what they've done this year is they've rode different guys to victory this year several times. Like we know Damian Jefferson can take over a game and be the alpha dog. We know Marcus Zagorowski can. We know Mitch Ballot can. We know Denzel Mahoney can. We know Christian Bishop can. When you've got that, that's tough for – teams to prepare for you on these short preps when they're not familiar with you. That's the advantage Creighton has going into March. Can they take, can they take advantage of it? I don't know. We'll find out. That's like the, that you just got to play the game to know, but Creighton has that going in. So if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic, to remain optimistic in the face of what you saw today, that's it. Like, you know, Georgetown's played – that was the third time Georgetown's played Creighton this year. Last night was the third time UConn's played Creighton. Um, you know, you familiarity helps in those situations in terms of taking away strengths. That's not going to be there for teams that Creighton will face in the NCAA tournament next week and beyond. Now, it doesn't – all. it's also a disadvantage for Creighton because they're very scout-oriented in terms of their game prep as well. So, they'll be – they'll have a tougher time taking away – other teams strengths based on tendencies they see in film on the short prep, but they also have a lot of talent on their squad. So it just depends on what they get matched up with um, and which team just, you know, performs better. That's what March is about. Just performing. It's not, it's not a tournament. You can play out on paper, like plenty of geniuses have tried. It's just like one of those things where it comes down to how your dudes perform. Like it's, it's as simple as that.
1: Um. And and that's the one thing that's weird about it too, Matt. Is like, I think a lot of people have studied the conference tournaments and like performance in conference tournaments. How does that correlate with the NCAA tournament? And there's like nothing. nothing. There's no conclusion to draw yeah. from it. Like, it's a it's only it's a week different week later in the season, but yet so much can be can be different. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. We've kind of already talked about this. I don't know. You tell me if you think we haven't touched on it yet. Uh, You guys think this loss will uh, propel Creighton to go farther in the tournament or does it kill their confidence? So let's just simplify it. What does this this performance tell
1: you about next week? Well, it it does open my eyes a little bit to a lot of things that we were talking about just in terms of the mental state and – the challenge that Creighton's going to face from a pressure standpoint and just being able to rise to the occasion in the moment. I think there are some questions there. Um, But knowing this group, the veterans that they are, they're going to be crazy motivated after it. Um, I think that I, like it's, I don't know. I just feel like they're better. They're better coming off a loss in, in more situations than than not. Um, when they can see their flaws right in front of them, they know what they need to address. So, I don't know. What does it mean? <laughs> it's hard to say, man. I don't know. I don't know no. what it means. Yeah, it is tough to answer because there.
0: There are things that that happened today that I like I I, like I I think I said in my opening takeaway was it raised alarm bells because I'm wondering how much just grit is left because they've had to grind through a lot of games this year Mm -hmm. with the target on their back. How much do they how you can only take so much of that, right? So how much how much do they have left to do?
1: But then again, it's like it's March because as soon as the NCAA tournament starts, it's like it's a new season. It doesn't matter what you've been through because here you are in the moment where, like, like you said they earlier, they've trained and prepared for this stage for two years. Like this is this is what it all comes down to. So it's like, but they have to be aware of that. They have to they have to be aware.
0: They have to be aware of that. Like they, it's all it is it is in their minds, but they have to be reinvigorated by the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament yeah if and they go they into out. the if they go into the NCAA tournament and they think man this year has been so long I'm tired of isolation like if they go in there feeling that way about it it'll affect their performance so it's there I don't think they will I don't know I don't know I, mean, I, I, I don't know that's what I mean I don't want to put it out there and say they won't and then they do and then I to have to backtrack <laughs> it like you know what I mean right I can see the. I can see why it would happen. Yeah, I think. I think. I think this tournament is going to be weird this year. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that just like that just don't have it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I just don't know. Um. uh, Jeremy Griffith wants to know if this
1: was damaging enough to cost the Jays a seed line. Real quick, going back to your point though, Matt, because you you can make. I was just kind of, my head was kind of going between ideas there because you could make the argument that Creighton's had enough wake-up calls and enough sort of moments this year where it, it should know what it takes to be ready for the big-time moment in terms of, like, this is what we need to do to match a a, a desperate team or a team that, like, is out to get us or whatever or a motivated opponent or a team that just kind of playing really well maybe a little bit better than they're playing whether they're used to playing or what they expected I've had a lot of examples of that like gut check moments so why do they need another is it's just a sign that it's this team just is flawed in a way that it's inevitable that they're just going to have a uh another one at some point you know so maybe that's kind of falling in line with what you're you're asking about sort of like the what mental state they're going to be in if they're going to be able to um set aside some of the shortcomings this year and start it, start fresh for the new season in march um anyway so the question was about how does this game impact uh seeding right yeah does it is it enough to drop them a seed line I mean
0: it's hard to answer we don't even know I where have no at. Idea. Like, yeah, yeah I have no clue I've I've read it, I've well, read I, very little bracketology this year just because I don't I've I'm, I'm just, just like I'm I think the quads that, are I, weird this year because like nothing the sample sizes aren't big enough the non-conferences were nothing like some teams had them some teams didn't some teams had crazy pauses like they went 3 4 weeks without playing games some teams went to multiple pauses like that stuff affects performances that's a lot of variance right there So I I just think like, you know, they're like, oh, you know, this team's got so many quad one wins. This team has some quad three and four losses. Like, I'm I'm like, yeah, the year was pretty damn tough. I wouldn't expect a consistent performance across the board for anybody, honestly. Like, I mean, even Baylor. Baylor's looked really human all of a sudden out of their paws But you still think that they're Baylor,
1: right? so You still think they're a one seed. Yeah,
0: Michigan's going in without livers. Uh, Gonzaga's played – you know, Cupcake City for the last two weeks after – or two two months after, you know, putting the world on notice just the, the first couple of weeks of the year. There's just so much you don't know. I don't know what to think about where our teams belong in seed lines. And and honestly, since they're all going to Indianapolis, I don't really care. Like, I don't really care. Like, if Creighton's on the 8 – if Creighton's on the 8-9 line, line tomorrow, I will not be shocked. I um, won't be. I just what? won't. I just won't be. I just don't know what the committee's thinking. I don't. It that seems like it seems like it would be wild but I just won't be. I just don't know what to think right now. I don't know what what's being weighed and how much. Like cuz Creighton's one of these teams that didn't have any pauses all year, right? So they don't have any of that variance. So maybe the committee's like, "Hey, we're looking at these losses to uh Georgetown Marquette, Providence, um Butler
1: and we're like and, uh, the Butler loss, they're go- they're not going to Yeah,
0: they'll scratch that off next, Zigraski didn't yeah. play. Got
1: it. So they're and, looking, and,
0: at, yeah, Providence, yeah. Jo- uh, Providence Marquette, and Georgetown at home, and going, hey, that's not a you know a uh, like a, a an elite team. Elite teams don't do that, right? Maybe once they'll do it, they won't do it three times. So, you know, and elite teams won't get you know their teeth kicked in like they did today. So I don't know what the committee's going to think of Creighton because they don't have those, they don't have pauses, they don't have any of that stuff going on. So maybe the committee is like, hey. We can evaluate Creighton on a normal on like how we normally do. And they have, you know, some troubling losses in our opinion.
1: Feels Maybe like they, a five. Feels like Creighton's going to land at the five line. I mean,
0: from a talent perspective, I think there are three, Like, but from a performance perspective, I don't know.
1: So. Well, that it, it, my estimation, this is all based on what I saw the committee do with its little reveal and what the committee chair said the day that they did the top 16 reveal in February was that. Essentially, now, it's not like black and white here, but essentially the pandemic doesn't matter. We're going to evaluate these teams like we always do. That
0: is the stupidest thing I've heard.
1: But that's kind of what – that's the sense I get. Now, obviously – I'm not calling
0: you stupid. I'm just saying if that's really what they're doing, that's crazy talk.
1: Obviously, they're human. So, like, they're going to see that Baylor's coming off a pause and it's lost a couple games, and, like, they're going to factor that in. But they're not going to – go team by team in the net and say, oh, you know, Butler is what is Butler in the net? Let's look at Butler's net. Butler's 123rd in the net. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That feels low based on what it's accomplished this year. Maybe because Butler only played three non conference games and one of them it lost to who they lose to Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois, at home. You know, and it's in in Butler's second third game of the year uh, after a long pause Mm -hmm. um maybe butler should be ranked higher like i don't think the committee is going to say that i don't think the committee is going to go team by team across the net and say oh this team's at 100 actually this team should be at 70 um which actually i i feel like that process would be easier for them yeah, well that's what's the, warranted. Yes. Because yeah. you can't just you can't just be like, okay, Colgate is eight in the net. Oh, that's weird. And that's an outlier. But we're not we're we're just gonna pretend like Yeah, you can't only look at the high a, outliers. You gotta look at the low ones too. Right. Yeah. yeah like the yeah. the middle range, like the, the yeah. teams that maybe aren't like what is Colgate, maybe fifty or sixty spots. Uh higher than it should be or something or probably 40 a hundred or
0: 150 spots higher than they should <laughs> yeah, okay. be. Okay. Very kind there. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: So um, what about the teams that are 20 spots? Yeah. Or, right. you know, yeah. 30 spots. And so I don't think the committee is going to do that though. I don't think they have the time. Um, but to me that would be the most sort of appropriate given the circumstances we're in like mm-hmm. that. That's the most, most appropriate approach. I'm just not so because help. because they're not going to do that. Um, who knows what's going to happen on Selection Sunday? So I just like, don't.
0: I don't. I just don't see myself waking up tomorrow and f- focusing energy on what this tournament looks like because there are so many variables that aren't unusual that aren't going to be in the play going forward. We hope, God forbid, and won't be worth studying or toiling over or yelling about or writing about or talking about like, it's just going to be, is what it is. They're all getting sent to Indianapolis. They're all going to be sent to regions. Uh, no one's going to have like, Oh, you know, like uh, Creighton's got to go play, you know, the eight, nine game against North Carolina in like Charlotte. Like that doesn't matter this year. Like they're all going to the same spot. But if, um, but if hey, a
1: but if you're a six seed and you get 11 seed Georgetown, are you going to be happy about that?
0: well i mean georgetown earned that spot like what are you gonna do
1: well i'm just saying where
0: else where else would you put put georgetown
1: well they're playing like a six or seven
0: but they don't have a but 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 even in a normal year are they playing like a six or seven like if they win the big east tournament on that road beating you know a a 500 seat in hall team a marquette team that i mean i guess marquette could be looked at as good because they killed north carolina but um Beating Nova beating, beating Nova without Gillespie and uh, right. injured Justin Moore and then beating Creighton. Like where would you see Georgetown in a normal year under those circumstances, four days and four, four wins and four days. I'm just saying they're playing like a
1: six or seven.
0: Oh, I totally agree. But I think there's going to be a lot of teams that, are, that feel like they're, that's what I thought all year about this. I thought there's, I thought Gonzaga, Baylor, were the world beaters to start Michigan put themselves in that position. And now Illinois, looks like they're the fourth team in that, in that pecking order. Um, And I think everyone else can beat the crap out of everyone else on any single day. Like I, if you told me like we're down on Creighton right now, they got cooked by 25 today. Right. But Ohio state's going to play Illinois in the big 10 title game tomorrow. Yeah. To possibly put themselves in position for a one seed. Right. Like Ohio state's not out of that conversation yet. Are they right? Fair.
1: Yeah. Fair. Okay.
0: If you told me that Creighton off a 25 point win would go and beat Ohio state next week, I would not be surprised. Like I would totally not be surprised at all. I just think there's a lot of really good teams this year that there is, and there isn't a way to separate them in a proper manner Um, that I wouldn't be. I just don't, I'm not going to worry about it. Like every team's going to go to Indianapolis with a chance to prove the same thing. So I'm not going to like be, Oh my God, Creighton got screwed because they have to play the seven, 10 game. Like I don't, I don't care. You're going to Indianapolis. Uh-huh. You're going to play this way tournament. You got, honestly, this is where I kind of will push back on the, the, uh, like a player or a coach who would complain about it because my, my, my point from the jump this year was like, I just hope I hope whatever we're doing is the right thing in terms of protocols and safety and moving on with the season and not pushing it back and getting it on schedule and whatever the insulator wanted to do. I just hope that the teams that have earned the right to play in it, get a chance to play in it. That's all I want. I don't care. So, so, knowing so stating that from the start now that we're here i don't want to hear players and coaches complain about where they're seated or where they're sent or what state or what arena they have to play in that thing got taken from you last year taken from you you got to appreciate it don't bitch about your seed don't bitch about your draw don't bitch about where you're going you got. You have to be positive about this because okay. taking there's an element. The old stop. Last
1: year, yeah, I agree with that to a certain extent, but the committee still has a job to do, and they can't just be like throwing darts at the dartboard and being like, "Well, um, that's what they do every what? year, though." Oh, like wow, man, we, we have beef with committees every year, don't I we? guess that's kind of part. Of, yeah, sure, but right, like um, that's,
0: that's just what's the name of the game is complaining. Like, what do you do? What were you thinking there? That's why they have all those posts post-seeding interviews, right? Like, what were you thinking putting this team in the field? Mm-hmm. Why is this team seated there and that team seated here? And what went into the mechanics there? Like, everyone – I just don't want to – I don't want to focus as much energy on that. I just want everyone to pass all their tests, to stay safe, and to have the NCAA tournament they've earned themselves to play. I mean, like, did you see what the NBC did in women's basketball today, for God's sake? Like, <laughs> they were they – were, <laughs> Missouri State is like the world beater in that league, right? So they're the team that's locked up a bid. They don't need to play any more games. Um, but the MVC still having their conference tournament. And um, Drake and I think Bradley had positive COVID tests within their program, within their tier one group. But the MVC was like, yeah, we've done enough contract tracing. We think you're okay to play. Like even though you got positive tests in your tier one groups, we're not going to uh, withdraw you from the tournament. So they were going to make Missouri State, who has a bid locked up, play. I think they were going to play Bradley today. And Drake was going to go play on the other side of the bracket. Or maybe they were playing Drake and then Bradley on the other side. I can't remember which one it was. But two teams tested positive in their tier ones and were allowed to play in the tournament going forward today and tomorrow. Missouri State was like, uh, screw you all. We have a bid locked up. We are not playing with fire and possibly getting one of our kids. Or coaches or whatever it is, uh, you know, in contact with a positive that just didn't come up on a test, and then we lose our NCA tournament spot because we went along with your shenanigans. You know what I mean? They look, they, they Missouri State made an aggressive move that says, "Look, we got our bid. You guys can deal with that crap. We're moving on." So, they're they want this, right? So don't complain about it. That's just the way I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. If you get an eight seed and you think you deserve a six. Shut up and go play. Like, that's not why waste your energy on that? You don't got a lot of time left. Just, like, go go play. You wanted to play. You wanted to play on schedule. You didn't want to push the season back for the vaccines. You didn't want to do any of that stuff. So you can't complain about seeds and stuff like that now. Just go play. This is what you want. This is what you deserve. You've earned it. Why waste your energy on, oh, man, we got to play Gonzaga if we win? Why wouldn't you want to play Gonzaga if you win? Go play them. That's what you want. So I'm just not gonna like tomorrow. I'm not. I don't. Wherever Creighton goes, that's that's the next game we're covering. That's all I care about. I just hope they pass their test and they they you know get there safe and they get to like go out on their terms because last year sucked, man. Didn't it suck? Wasn't it like? Wasn't it? Wasn't it garbage? That like, oh man, that that team was on an absolute high, and it got it's just ended so abruptly. Marcus's injury, uh, New York. Going, you know, the world getting shut down, like everything ended so quick. And it seemed like all the momentum, like finally the, the, everything was aligned. The stars were aligning for Creighton to do something special and it got ripped away. I just, all I'm thinking about tomorrow is like pass your tests, stay, stay, uh, COVID free, um, find out your assignment, go to Indy and, and, you know, make the best of them of the memories you get from March madness. Cause they didn't get to happen last year. Maybe I'm being too irrational, but that's the way I feel about it right now.
1: I think your your logic and your perspective applies to teams and players and coaches, but us on the outside, from a fan's perspective, from a media perspective, who love to criticize and mm-hmm. second guess and have the debates about who belonged where, like. We are not going to listen to you, man. Okay. <laughs> when the selection show starts at 5 p.m. Central Time, uh-huh. we are going to debate like crazy because I know that they're going to overseed Arkansas.
0: Oh, that's the one. God, when I was going on that rant right now, I was thinking Arkansas is going to be like a two, and I'm going to be like, "What the hell?" And I was like trying to like brace myself for not thinking like that. I love that you brought up Arkansas, right? Like yeah. everybody, they're like a two seed now. All of a sudden, like what?
1: Yeah yeah all right oh no, yeah i i hear you that's is, the fun like, of sunday too but no I, I get i get your point it, it was well stated yeah
0: i just want to i just want to use positive energy towards to the end of the season before we have to worry about like you know volleyball just finished their year pretty much i don't know if you noticed Great that volleyball. today they're done already we have to get locked in on like their postseason next so yeah. i'm just trying to be in a positive mood because you have to move we're we have to move on to uh one the one postseason is about to start here as soon as this one ends so that's the way this year is kind of shaping up so i have started to look ahead a little bit that's probably my bad but you know and the women's basketball team might get an ad bid too on on monday so like that's like there's just a lot to be kind of i guess juiced up about because hey these kids might get their seasons extended here so let's see what happens like so i just don't want to you know, hunkered down and being like, what the hell is Creighton a seven seed for?
1: Hmm. I will be shocked if Creighton's lower than the six. I yeah, see I, I mean, a, yeah,
0: I would be too. Cause, but, yeah,
1: but like, but like you said, I mean, inevitably you got to beat good teams to advance. So, like, what's the difference between a two and a three? Mm-hmm. Probably not much. I mean, what's the difference between a two, three, or four? There's probably not much different. Agreed. So, like, if you're a seven, a six, or a five, most likely you're still going to have to beat a two, a three or a four to get to the sweet 16 Mm -hmm. and the difference between, you know, a top or a team that's ranked or slotted, whatever five to eight versus a team that's slotted. What is that? Um, 13 to 16, the five to 16 range, there's not much difference. It's a good team and you're going to have to beat them. So Mm -hmm. I, I get where you're coming from.
0: For sure. So I see you're starting to rub your eyes a little bit, so let's see if we speed up here. Um, yeah, I got wine to drink, Matt. Sorry, oh Birds by God. Design. Do you think something needs to change if if Creighton loses in the first round of the tournament? I don't know. Let's let's cross that bridge when we get there. Okay, <laughs> if we cool. Because we, uh, yeah, I would argue that's not the most it, that's not the most pressing matter of the year if we're trying to <laughs> analyze the whole situation too either. Um. Okay, uh, J T. Hudson. All oh, these are the questions I love. Unrelated to the game, <laughs> is Creighton going to recruit anyone to replace Ty-Ty in this cycle, or is it too late? Also, how big of a loss is Ty-Ty uh, to the quick bounce back of the program if all three seniors and Zagorowski leave after the season? you want me
1: to go They, may not, they may not be the only people who leave. I know. That's the other
0: part that I haven't, like, said out loud yet, right? Like, who knows? Yeah. That's what I mean. I Yeah, I – do we just um, not want to touch that one yet? Come back to it later? Yeah,
1: maybe. I mean, there's always a transfer market, so remember that. Yeah. Like, players are going to be immediately immediately eligible, and there's going to be a lot of good players available. And so... It's easier to Creighton, put a
0: roster together if you have a large turnover.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and if Creighton feels like it needs a wing, um, because that's probably where Tai Tai was going to slot, right? Like, I mean, he has a point card. I think so. He, do, but, I,
0: I, everybody was like, Call him a point guard. I'm like, uh, okay. I mean, I he know. was Ryan. Have
1: you seen Ryan Nemhard? Because he's a point guard. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, so, um, I I felt like you know, Tai Tai was going to be you know a, like a two guard, and he could have mm-hmm. he could have stepped in and started from day one. There's no yeah. question about that. Uh, but you can also find sort of a veteran transfer who can um, fill that role as well. So we'll see what they do. Like how, where they feel like they're at. Um, because obviously they've got Rati and Dronakech really coming back off injury, you know, Correct. Antoine Jones, you know, if assuming the roster stays intact, you got Antoine Jones and Alex O'Connell coming back to play that wing spot. I mean, they have some options there. And honestly, Sharif has proven to people that he can guard up.
0: That was a question coming in. He's proven he can guard up. So one,
1: one through three, at least.
0: Yeah, I would think so because I thought he did a really good job when they put him on Scruggs for a little bit in the last eight yeah. game. So that's you know Scruggs plays one through three. So yeah, he's a big dude. Um, yeah. So Sharif is uh, that was one question about question mark about Sharif was, you know, when he spells Zagorowski or if he comes in to run and plays with Marcus, um, what what role is that in? Like, can he guard up like Ty did last year? Mm. So and I think he's proven that he can. He's gotten stronger. He's and he's just tough as nails. So, um. Oh, speaking of Sharif, yeah. thoughts? Uh, so, oh, sorry. Where you gonna
1: go ahead? Say I sorry. was just going to say maybe you're about to ask this, but it's just like it stinks for him that he got this little head injury because he's been playing well for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So Nate Thomas
0: wanted to know the thoughts on the impact of Sharif's absence.
1: Well, yeah. I mean. It, it was clear that Creighton needed some sort of spark, and Sharif, oftentimes this year, has been that guy. Um, the way that the game played out, I don't know if that would have mattered had Creighton got it, Creighton needed a spark like mm-hmm. need like fifteen, need <laughs> freaking wildfire, not a spark. He needed <laughs> on the a other On the fart. other
0: hand, on the other hand, the Villanova game was trending the same way, and he was the spark in that one.
1: That's true. So. Well, him and, he he had, he had some help. Damian Jefferson was huge too. Yeah, helping yeah. turn that game around. But he's been um, but, shooting the
0: ball a lot better from three the last handful of games. Yeah. Um but he, he does, he has changed games, like
1: he's yeah. single-handedly yeah. changed games it does Yeah. I just like uh, and, and maybe he could have kept this one from getting out of hand. Now I think George still would have won voice crack just then. Hope you heard that. I did. 10, but it does. That's try- usually that's usually not something that happens at 10:37 p.m. It's something that happens at 2 a.m. so <laughs> I think Georgetown still would have won, but I think that, uh, you know, maybe it's not an 18-point game at halftime. Sure. Yeah, I I, I mean, I I think I kind of just said it
0: in the answer before that. So, Um, I think we have a couple more, only a couple more. Um, All right, so this one is a play on your earlier uh, just note about Georgetown. If Georgetown's season, if Georgetown's season started on January 30th after their COVID pause, where would you seed them? Because they're 10 and four, with wins over a hobbled Villanova and then Creighton today as their marquee ones. Right? I guess mm-hmm. if you want to consider, so they beat Seton Hall and Xavier twice, or they beat Seton Hall twice and Xavier once. That's three bubble teams that they beat, and then two locks. Yeah. Okay. Depending on what you think of Villanova minus Gillespie. Um so yeah, that's five good wins out of their ten and four stretch 16, there. Matt. And the four that they lost were two to Yukon, one to Creighton, one to Nova each. Yeah. Six seed? Six seed. That looked like a six seed to you today? This weekend. Well, oh, I mean today. It's, I mean, yeah, it's like since then, basically.
1: But we're talking about the whole since
0: since the COVID. Since January passed. since January thirtieth, right? Yeah. That that 14 games. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean you you just gotta it's still they split with Creighton during that stretch. Lost to Nova, uh, lost two to UConn. So, you know, it's not like they were beating all the elite teams that they faced. So here's the here's the, here's the question
0: I have: Where is UConn to you with Book Knight? It's, it's,
1: it's probably a six. Maybe five because UConn yeah, kicked their ass. High.
0: Like UConn kicked their yeah, ass. So that's that's only that's the only. I don't I don't I don't dis uh, I don't disagree with you that Georgetown is playing at a high level. And if you map this out over thirty something games, that it looks like a six seed. But I was just, that's why I was just asked like if you think UConn's a six seed, UConn looks way better than Georgetown. <laughs> yeah, they played true. Each other, you know what I mean? So that's all. I know. that's the only it's reason. Hard.
1: Yeah. It's just hard because I have seen UConn. Enough without book night to like. I'm trying to. Okay, what is it? What does UConn look like with him? Mm-hmm. But UConn has some pretty good performances with him. So yes. Um. I mean, is, they, the U, but, is the U is the U S is the U S U win mean,
0: the best win of the non con?
1: That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the
0: East for the Big East is Texas better? Oh, than, is Texas a better yeah. win than you? I
1: think I think Texas.
0: Okay, so Villanova's win at Texas still. Okay.
1: Yeah, but um. The one thing about UConn is, other than the USC game, it hasn't, you know, it didn't beat, it didn't beat Villanova or Creighton this year, right?
0: The thing about UConn, yeah, 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 they went didn't. 5. they went zero and five, yeah. So and, uh, that's and little- I, I think they played well. No, 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 they only played Nova once, right? So they went they went zero and two with Booknight against Creighton, and then zero and one with Booknight against Nova. So and, they were zero and five. Oh and four total. Oh, 0 and, 4. 0 and three with Book Knight in those games.
1: So that's that's a little bit concerning about what they like they're ceiling, But yeah. they're gonna be a tough out in the tournament. There's no question about that. Like it's gonna yeah. the game's gonna be in the fifties, and yeah. it'll probably depend on whether or not Tyler Polly hits a couple threes. Or Book yeah. does something, you know, but well, I've now seen them twice at, in crunch time with Book Knight. And it has not been pretty, you know. No. Their offense has totally stalled out. So I don't know. I mean, they did lose Cole, yeah, and that that was probably a pretty serious factor on Friday as to why they missed what was it two of their final sixteen, zero for eight, yeah, to end the game. Um, just three points in the final six minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you lose your point guard, that obviously hurts, but. That's that's what's interesting about the Big East, man. Like, this league, since Reconstruction, since realignment, has not performed well. Aside from Villanova, this league has not performed well in the NCAA tournament. But this year, um, and Xavier, Xavier, and the people,
0: I know people are going to say well, Xavier, Xavier offset it because they overperformed one year and underperformed the year after that. So like they
1: they were the so, one. Yeah, so yeah,
0: I I still I think your point is. Absolutely on solid ground. I always get to say your pushback when people say it, but they, they yeah. made a elite eight run as a what an eleven seed. And then they lost in the second round as a one seed. So that, that well, the have- and Villano- Villanova is the only team that can stick its puff its chest out for for in-, in March right now.
1: Even with Villanova's two six and oh records, like going to win the national title, you gotta win six games. So there's six and oh that's twelve and oh, even with that record baked into it. The Big East has the worst record among the power six conferences um, in the NCAA tournament since 2014, since realignment for the Big East. But this year could be different. I mean, you know, Creighton's hungry. UConn um, was playing well up until losing on Friday and Georgetown's on fire. Um, And And Georgetown,
0: although they lost the Navy when they came out of their first pause before the year. They also pushed West Virginia right to the wire. Like, sure did. Yeah, you know that's a that's a group that. That's why. That's yeah, what I, I mean. Don't... You look at Georgetown like Chudier, uh, Belay, graduate transfer, um, Donald Carey, graduate transfer, uh, Pickett and Blair, seniors. Yep. That's a that's an experienced that's a more experienced group in terms of your nucleus than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a totally young. Like Harris and Wahab are young but that's not a totally young squad leading them. Like they've got a lot of experience that yeah. Patrick Ewing can, he can mother F them and they'll respond. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm with you.
1: That's why I just didn't understand why Georgetown was the metrics had Georgetown so low at the start of the year because they lost the Navy. That wasn't a good loss, but they also competed with West Virginia. And then that first net came out and Georgetown's like 115th or something. I'm like, what, why, why is yeah. it so low? I didn't get that. There were a mm-hmm. lot of teams in the Big East where it was, they they were just br- brutally low at the start of the year, and it just inevitably just dragged down the the net yeah. rank, the net rankings for everybody in the. That's league.
0: what I mean. I thought this was a. I don't know if we've had a question that's like, hey, just assess the Big East this year. I thought it was a pretty tough year. Like I thought there were a lot of really good teams in it. Maybe not. Yeah, you know, I didn't think. I thought it was more along the lines of. uh maybe that Marquette Villanova year when they were at the top of the league. So no one's like when I think when Villanova was a five seed and they got smashed mm-hmm. by Purdue in yeah. the second round, right. When Edwards went off. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Marquette got John Moranted. Uh So oh,
1: did they, my God.
0: Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Go back and rewatch that. Uh, so, but I thought the, I thought it was a, pr- a really competitive league this year and I think, that is a it good, was
1: they just didn't have the they didn't uh, have an elite then you know. yeah the elite team or the nor- notoriety going in yeah. so I think the bottom tier of the league didn't get a lot of respect. I don't, I don't know maybe it wasn't earned I don't know but I don't know it was a fun year. It it, it but it clearly it was down from last year. I mean last year yes, yes 100 like, percent
0: they had three final four caliber teams last year.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And the bottom of the league was so good. Yeah. So I mean, DePaul was last year. Those years that DePaul started undefeated for like <laughs> yeah. a minute there, twelve
0: and one or whatever yeah. it was, yeah. and Saint
1: John's <laughs> beat Arizona and West Virginia, and uh-huh. mm-hmm. you're like, oh, and oh, Providence started really slow, and then all of a sudden found it.
0: Yeah, Providence, Providence sure was like done. a yeah. Providence looked like a sw- second weekend team after looking like a CBI team in the first two months. Yeah,
1: if that I know. All right, what what questions we got? I got to go to sleep, Matt. Okay, um, or drink more wine. I don't know.
0: Well, which one do you pref- which one are you gonna do? Probably
1: go to sleep. I'm. Uh, okay. I am i I was say, a I weird. got a one year old son.
0: It's like one way or the other, on that one could affect tomorrow for you in a big way.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, last one. Uh, is it weird that I'm encouraged going into next week? I feel like we got the stinker out of the way. Um, better tonight than next week. We'll come back focused and ready. So that's so that's quite an optimistic.
1: That's a tweet. that's a. Is it
0: weird that you're encouraged? Yeah, kind of. Like that's. I mean, let's just get that out of the way, right? Like that's. There's not yeah, much to be encouraged weird. about from today, is there? No. Alex O'Connell, I guess maybe Marcus barely missed a shot.
1: Yeah. You think um, well, I mean, if you're of the mind that this was a complete and utter anomaly, and that Creighton just doesn't have it in its um ability to play this poorly again then yeah mm-hmm. then you probably feel pretty good
0: yeah i mean it's good to get a clunker
1: but out it was of like the way before March, but, but it doesn't
0: necessarily mean it won't happen again either so like, yeah that's, exactly that thing yeah
1: so i don't and, know and this type, i mean it was a i mean is like being kind right I mean, they were, they, they, what was it? What was the run? 46
0: to eight over 18 something minutes, right? Today. Sounds It sounds accurate. Because it went from 13 to six to fifty four twenty two, right? Was that the,
1: was that the run? When did I stop taking notes? Um, <laughs> I stopped taking notes
0: at 40 to, I think it was 40 to eight. I stopped counting.
1: Oh, I went further than that. Okay. Oh, you're talking about the, uh. Uh, 5221 so I stopped at
0: 46 uh, 23 I think is when I stopped
1: you say it was 13 to thought I, yeah I stopped
0: at 4621 is when I stopped I
1: 46 to the, eight
0: I think so because it was 13 to 6 and then I think it was 54
1: I think it was, it was 52 21 okay 52 21 yeah,
0: yeah so that's
1: that's Forty-six to eight.
0: Forty-six to eight. Yeah, I that's think that just was, like I mean, think that was an that was an I think that was an eighteen-minute stretch that it was that it that Georgetown needed to do that too.
1: Um, that was at like the five-minute or five minutes into the second half mm-hmm. when it was fifty-two to twenty-one, and they started their run. Um, twelve after. After a Patrick Ewing timeout.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: With 12 minutes to go. So, By the way, days.
0: actually, can we just bypass it, this question and enjoy, was, enjoy the was, fact that Patrick Ewing called a, I've had enough of this shit timeout, when Creighton scored like five in a row to cut a 31-point lead down to 26. Like he was immediately, as soon as the ball went through the net, it was like, whistle, get over here.
1: Yeah. Wasn't I, that, just, I, that was
0: that was that's when I just started laughing the rest of the day. I was like, I love
1: this. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed um I think Wahab. Um Creighton lost him on like a, a slip to the rim and he had this powerful dunk and he just sort of like looked around like just celebrating. Yeah. And the camera cut to Pat Ewing and he's like, get back, get back.
0: <laughs> it's like I a twenty
1: eight point it. game.
0: Like, get <laughs> back on this. He was coaching so hard <laughs> yeah. up like twenty five plus. I just love it. I'm but telling you, man. I mean, that's what makes him Georgetown's you know, that's gonna why. be tough with him. He is such yeah. a good coach. Like, I love I love that and, and it's honestly such a good
1: story. Like, yeah. I mean, the dude was passed over repeatedly in the NBA. People mm-hmm. don't want to give him a chance. Uh, he said it that he had to be convinced to take the Georgetown job. I don't know if he felt like he wanted to prove himself in the NBA. He was just waiting for that opportunity. But I mean, clearly the guy knows basketball and he's been on NBA staffs, like on the sidelines of games for more than a decade like he's he's as proven as it gets in terms of a a, from a basketball acumen standpoint um and now that i think that he's kind of figured out roster building and how to sort of put together a program at the college level like it did take some time obviously for him to do that um yeah georgetown's on the up so and that's going to be fun for the big east it's fun for college basketball and like I i i tweeted this and i've told you Patrick, you, a happy Patrick Ewing mm-hmm. is like one of the most entertaining sort of Seriously. individuals in the game.
0: Wasn't he and hilarious this weekend?
1: So good. And <laughs> so, so um, you I don't know.
0: Did you listen to his press conference at all?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't so like
0: he was, uh, the last thing he said after they were done asking questions, like, I gotta t- go take my pants off now. Cause they got me all wet. And I'm just like, mm. I love this. It's just so funny, dude. Yeah.
1: The the, the Rick Flair woo
0: woo
1: yeah uh, that,
0: that was good that
1: was crazy, I mean just out of nowhere offering the fact that security stopping him and you know who I am
0: like that yeah. like no one yeah no one talks like that I love it, so yeah I'm really I'm happy for Patrick Ewing I'm I, I love that um that he jumpstarted Georgetown because like you know it's everything you laid out he's waited a long time for this and. He followed Chris Mullen into the league, right? And and the Mullen thing was just a joke from the jump. so Everyone compared him to him. Yeah, he got compared to that. Yeah, it was like, you know, and it wasn't fair because Patrick Ewing actually put in time to learn how to translate his player expertise into uh, coaching and training and teaching the next generation how to play in, a, in an era that's different than the way he played, right? So it's like taking some adjustment – on his end too um and like you said roster management everything but that that from the start that was never a good comparison because he came in with a totally different idea of how to develop uh how to develop and coach than than Chris Mullen did so I I always thought that was unfair and I'm kind of glad he he proved it so that's a good way to wrap we were, this up, I guess. I think, I, think. I think
1: you and I jumped on the Patrick. I don't know. I jumped on his bandwagon last year with the way that this team played after um, after the departures and just some of the game planning things that they had. I thought it was clever against Creighton. Yeah. Um, but what year was that? It was that two years ago where he sat down at the press conference and told us that we only had we had three questions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was pink out, pink out game 2019. Okay, you sat down. He's like, you got three questions. Should have known then that he was going (laughs) to be one of my favorites. Seriously, but from being just like utterly scared to like, no, I like this guy. I think when you know they had a lot of good performances that first year. The one thing I thought was missing was, first of all, his timeout usage, which I'm still not crazy about. Like, I think he's a little quick on the trigger, but there were some end of game situations that kind of were botched a little bit. But I felt Mm -hmm. like if he gets that figured out you know, the rest of it's going to be a breeze because everything else you're seeing in terms of uh, players getting better under his tutelage is like, wow. You know what I mean? So if he ever gets a nucleus to stick together, that thing's going to take off. Um, I'm really excited about Dante Harris, Kudus Wahab, dynamic. I mean, they played unbelievable this whole weekend. Uh, And then he's got some good recruits coming in too. So if he can keep them all together – they're gonna be at the top of that league. No, no question in my mind
1: about it. The Big East has some just hard-nosed ballers, man. Some young yeah. guys that like totally under the radar recruits, um, but they play hard, and they're gonna be. It's a good they're way they're
0: for the be... Big East to operate, right? Like, don't yeah. go after they're, like they're what be...
1: UConn and or or, kinetic, or Kentucky
0: and Duke are going for. Like, find those dudes with chips on their shoulders that are, mm. you know, just born and bred for it. Essentially, like they're ready to give it all and then they feel like
1: they're they've got something to prove at this level and they're gonna and they're gonna be around for a while you know like it's just gonna be so much fun how fun is butler gonna gonna be right like Like, yeah and posh alexander at at, Mm -hmm. it's like it's gonna be it's gonna be fun so yeah we'll see how these guys develop all right everybody aver's got got some baller freshmen that i know that's
0: right yeah like that's
1: that's what i mean the league's healthy league's healthy
0: um all right, everybody, appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate your feedback. Appreciate your questions. John, love you, man. Thanks for hopping on and helping me analyze this utter beatdown. Um and making it fun. Uh we will um oh yeah, check out John's work on Omaha.com. Sorry, I haven't plugged your stuff in a minute. Um Omaha.com, uh what's the subscription fees now going on? Anything
1: different? All all I want to talk about is the newsletter. Dude, the newsletter is banging. Uh, yeah. slash newsletter. Just go in there, click the little button that says subscribe, and you'll get it in your email inbox once a week. So I've had some fun with that because I've just been able to write some stuff that just doesn't really fit in sort of that normal newspaper scape mm-hmm. um, or newspaper scope, just like a little bit off different ideas and stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, get on I'm... that Because, again, this is something that we started. Um, our company started just for Creighton fans and it's, it's something that we have not done elsewhere. So um, people are kind of looking at it to see how it performs. And so I could use your support.
0: So yeah. I appreciate that. So yeah, honestly, uh, and you know how much John puts into it. I'm telling you right now, the stories are good. They're always good, but the, the ones in these newsletters have been awesome so far. So if you haven't subscribed yet, get on that. Um, then we'll have this podcast up on iTunes and SoundCloud uh, tomorrow. And then, yeah, I mean, this is kind of going to be a whirlwind right now. So just get ready for a whole bunch of it because Slash Sunday is tomorrow. The tournament's going to start next week. Uh, the women might be um, having their season extended a little bit with an NIT bid. We'll find that out on Monday. Um, and then volleyball just wrapped up their uh, Big East regular season. So they'll be starting their postseason pretty soon, too. So get ready for it, everybody. Um, Until then, we will talk to you when we talk to you. Thanks a lot.